Hey guys, welcome back to Fractured Poet, a podcast for all of you poetically insane individuals who love getting lost in the art of poetry. Podcasting from Ontario, California, I am your host, Katrina Wisniewski, just another person in this world obsessed with words, striving to make sense of it all. Okay, so as I said, welcome back. I know it's been quite a while. As of right now, recording, it is August 11th, and the last time I had an episode, it was probably about, if I'm correct, about May. So again, I apologize. As always, in my life, there's always some kind of fuckery, some kind of blockage, some kind of something or other that keeps me from doing this shit. So, I apologize. So, with all of that, I'm not going to sit here and jab. I'm just going to bounce right into the first poem. So, this first poem is called Pondering in Wonder. Her mind trails off into a world of what-ifs and shoulda, coulda, wouldas, pondering the meaning behind any hypothetical outcome. Her mind is a puzzle, often scrambled, missing pieces that cannot be found. Her thoughts tend to control her more times than she can count. I wonder if she realizes that her thoughts are only an illusion of what she wants life to be. So this poem was written April 4th of 2023. I'm only guessing, but I'm going to assume and obviously guess that I wrote this about me and my current thoughts at the time. My mind does trail off into things and, you know, the what ifs and the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. I think we all do, unfortunately. And getting caught up in that moment and wondering about those shoulda, coulda, wouldas and what ifs you get into these hypothetical outcomes and aftermaths of what would happen if, what should have happened if, what if I, what if this, and it, it kind of, you know, mind fucks you a little bit. And so with that, and because of that, my mind often does get puzzled and scrambled. And as the poem says, missing pieces that cannot be found. There are many times where, as I probably said more than a couple times, I am an overthinker, overanalyzer. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Sometimes it's in between. Other times it's what's the point and anything else that you can think of. But... I do get lost in my thoughts, and those thoughts tend to control me in more than one way. And it isn't until it's too late that, as the last part of the poem says, that I realize that my thoughts are only an illusion. You know, they're they're only thoughts. They're hypotheticals. They are the what-ifs and the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. You're thinking about something that hasn't happened yet or something that's never going to happen, and you tend to get caught up in those. Hence the title Pondering and Wonder. You know, pondering and wonder pretty much mean the same thing. But I often do get caught in a lot of that stuff. And it sucks because sometimes it's very depressing. Sometimes it takes me down a few notches. Sometimes it gets me irritable and pissed off and just, you know, leave me the fuck alone type of attitudes. It's, it gets me in a funk. It gets me in an attitude and I just don't want to deal with things, life, people, whatever's. But yeah, so with that being said, I'm going to get into the next poem. And this one is called Confessions of a Lover. I have a confession to make. I am addicted to you. Whenever you're around, all I want to do is stare at you. I can't help it. You're fucking gorgeous. I didn't think it was possible 
to have a limit on how far love can go. That is until I met you. I can stare at you for hours, admire you, savor your existence, cherish every breath you take. Falling in love with you is my kryptonite. So I wrote this poem April 3rd of 2023. And I guess some of you can guess that this was or is about my fiance. There isn't a day that passes where I don't look at him and I fall in love with him all over again. I seriously, as the poem says, you know, I can, I can stare at him for hours. You know, I'll, you know, there are some times where I just, I stare at him. Sometimes he notices, sometimes he doesn't. And it's not a checking you out stare. It's just staring and admiring and wondering how I got so fucking lucky to be with this guy. You know, he is everything I ever wanted. We mesh so well. We bring out the best in each other, as I've seen and have been told by others. You know, when he's around, I just, I can't help but fall in love with him over and over again. And this is a relationship I've never had or experienced before. I've never been with someone for 14 years. I've never been engaged to anybody before. And being together 14 years, as as of right now, you know, August 11th, 2023, you know, it's it's amazing. And sometimes it's, well, not sometimes, a lot of the times it's, you know, can someone pinch me? You know, is this real? And I just, I can't, like, fathom, like, how great I have it. You know, I've, I've had relationships before, too somewhat serious, and they don't, I mean, no other relationship should, but they don't compare to what I have, what I currently have. You know, I am addicted to him. I love looking at him. I love his smile, his laugh, his dorkiness, his goofiness, his nerdiness. Just, I don't know. You know, just talking about it and doing this episode and explaining this poem, it just, it gets me Twitter painted all over again. And, you know, again, I can sit here and go on for hours, but... This is what was going through my mind, my head when I wrote this. I think I even, I could have been staring at him while writing this and he just didn't know it. But, you know, we don't, we go through life not knowing what love is exactly. And I think I've actually maybe mentioned this in a poem or whatever, a while back, but, you know, even as adults, you know, some of us don't really understand the concept of love. You know, we're in a relationship or you're dating, you know, people have the relationship and dating definition so fucked up and scrambled. It's not even funny. You know, my definition of dating may not be your definition of dating or boyfriend and girlfriend or relationship may not be your definition either the way that it is mine. But, as adults, we kind of scramble and confuse love. What is love to you? You know, you can look up love in a dictionary or Google it, if you will. But that may not be what your definition is, your perception of love. And, you know, I've been in a couple relationships where it's almost like, it's almost like high school ish relationships. You get into a relationship and you almost feel like you're obligated to say I love you. But 
Do you know what love is? What's love to you? When I met my fiance, we both knew at the same time that we loved each other and we said I love you without even saying I love you, if that makes sense. And I think again, and I'm, I really apologize if I'm totally going on a tangent. I just, I have to kind of explain or maybe not explain, just kind of talk about it because I think a lot of people today get relationships and dating fucked up. It's all about sex. It's all about the hit it and quit it thing. And that's all people look for is sex. No one looks for companionship and commitment Everyone looks for a piece of ass. Everyone, you know, I'm not going to say everyone, but you know, a lot of people look for that and that's all that it is to hit it and quit it. I don't want a commitment. I don't want anything serious. No attachments, no strings attached. And honestly, I don't really think that's healthy. I don't think that's a good way to be, you know, don't whore yourself out. Don't be a whore. You know, I mean, it's good to have fun, you know, whatever, but I mean, I'm not that type of person to go and sleep with a whole shit ton of people, but you know, that's me. With my fiance, when we first met, and again, that was on MySpace, we clicked. We're messaging each other back and forth, and we were on the phone for like, what, five plus hours until the sun came up? We connected so well. The first time that we met, the first date that we had, we're both Disney freaks, so we went to Disneyland and, you know, we made it official that we were together. I think it was the same day. It might, I think, yeah, it was the same day when it was official that we were, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend. And I, it, there's no time limit as to when you should say I love you or when you should feel love for somebody, but he wanted to say I love you to me. And I knew just by looking in his eyes, he wanted to say it. And I told him that I did too. Without even saying it, as tacky as that may sound, but when you know that you love someone, you don't have to say I love you. You just know it. You can feel it. You both feel it. You connect it, and you're there. And I just, everything that I have, you know, just said, that's what this poem is about. You know, just admiring him and just thinking about all of the years we've been together, everything that we've experienced this is love, you know, so uh, confessions of a lover. So, um, again, a major fucking tangent, but Hey, deal with it. Um, so yeah, this is obviously what I was thinking about when I wrote this. And it's just, if you are in a relationship currently and you feel this way, you can share my thoughts and my feelings. Like it's an amazing fucking feeling. And if you don't have that right now, you're going to find it and it's going to feel great. And you're going to know it. People try too hard to be in relationships. And that is when it's a challenge. At least that's the way that I see it. I went through a whole bunch of shit before I met my fiance. And I'm just like, you know what? Throw my hands up. I'm not going to fucking look for anybody. I'm going to do me. I'm going to do my life. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. And if the fucker comes in my life and just, you know, in my face, then fine, whatever. And that's exactly how it was. As weird as it sounds, as stupid and cliche as it is, especially on MySpace, that's how it was. And it felt so fucking right. So yeah, I'm going to end it there. Cause like I said, I can take up this entire freaking episode about all this, but I'm going to shut up and move on to the next one. So the next poem is called A Poet Gone Mad. To write a poem requires a certain finesse. From scrambled words to carefully placed thoughts, 
It's no wonder a poet always has something to say. Creating such things is almost therapeutic, yet a chore all in one. A rhyming game gone wrong or misunderstood haikus, no matter how you phrase it, poets are just simply mad. So another April 3rd, 2023 poem. I wish I could come up with more of these and I swore that I had more poems for the poet or, you know, you know what I mean. I love writing these type of poems because it explains and expresses a lot of my, and I know I've said it before as everything else, I have bittersweet emotions towards poetry. Sometimes it comes naturally. I just, I can just be sitting here, being in the middle of somewhere, crowded with people and shit comes up and I just start writing. I take out my phone or I'm writing something down. I get phrases in my head and I just start jotting them down and it'll come together later. Or I just burst out an entire whole full poem. And then other times it's, you know, poetry makes you go mad. And it's, it sounds horrible. It sounds very Mad Hatterish, but it's, when I say a poet gone mad, it's, you're, you're dealing with words. And when you're writing a poem, everything has to be perfect. Everything has to be set in a certain motion. It's almost like writing a song. It has to make sense. If things are out of place, it, it fucks everything up and it tears everything apart and you have to, you know, control alt delete or erase or scribble out or delete an entire something or other and start all over again. And it's, you know, you write a poem that's all rhyming. Poetry is not just about rhyming. So if you're writing poetry that's all about rhyming and it's driving you nuts because you want to try something else and not just rhyming, you're ready to pull your hair out. You know, when I first started taking classes on poetry in college, I realized that there are so many more formats. There are so many more ways to write a poem other than free form or rhyming. And a lot of stuff that I have read were different forms of poetry that I never even knew, like Villanelle, um, you know, haikus. I didn't know what that was. A sonnet, you know, you look up, you know, Shakespeare and, you know, he wrote sonnets. Those are sonnets. That's a form of poetry. You know, some of the things that Edgar Allan Poe does, you know, there are just so many different poets that write so many different types of poems that you never even knew were out there until you do your research or it's introduced to you in one way or another. And when you actually get into it, and I'm not saying I've mastered poetry because I probably still have a lot of fucking learning to do, but when I started being more structured with my poetry rather than being more free-formed, it kind of makes you stop in your place. It puts you in your place and you have to think. Like a few minutes ago before recording this episode, I felt the urge to write a haiku and maybe I'll throw that in there somewhere in this episode. And you have to think about it. Haikus are about syllables, you know, five syllables in the first line, seven syllables in the third or second line and five in the third line. There's, it's three lines in a haiku. So you have to count out each syllable and the words that you're using. If it goes over five or it goes over seven, it's not a haiku. And I just realized that I was going through some old haikus that I wrote and they're not even fucking haikus because the syllables are all off. So it's like you get frustrated and poetry is, you have to think sometimes, especially when it comes to forms or formats when haikus, there's a, 
somewhat of a level of thinking that you have to put into this. Five syllables, you have to count out five syllables. You have to count out seven syllables, and you have to count out five again. And you have to make sure it doesn't go over. Otherwise, again, it's not a haiku. You do a sonnet. There's it, It's a guideline you have when you go down certain formats of of poems, there's guidelines that you have to follow in order to stick with a sonnet or a villanelle or a haiku. And there's, I don't remember what type of, maybe it's one of the ones that I mentioned, but it's like rhyming every other line. And that's a type or a form of poetry. So poetry has its frustrations. It gets you irritable. It gets you frustrated. You have to get up and walk away because you're putting so much thought into it. But once you start, it's like once you start doing haikus or something, you're on a roll and you just start writing them. And it's no thought at all. It just comes naturally. So again, once you get the hang of poetry, it is almost therapeutic. But at the same time, as I said in the poem, it's a chore all at the same time. And I don't know how many times I've come across feeling like this because I just get so frustrated and I have to, I want this poem to work, but it doesn't sound right. I have to rearrange my words. I have to take words out. I have to add more words. It doesn't make sense. There's too many words and it's just, it's too wordy and it it does get frustrating, but yeah. So poets are just simply mad. You know, again, I, another topic that I can go on a tangent on. So again, I'm probably mad. But yeah, moving on. Um, This next poem is called This Isn't Me. I want you next to me, but please don't touch me. I want to hear your voice, but don't make a sound. I want your comfort. I crave your embrace, but I can't sit still. I am bombarded with thoughts, so many thoughts. I can't control them. They're going a million miles a second. Make them stop. I want to feel your body against mine, but I can't bear the affection. I want to hold your hand, but I have no urge no strength. Can't settle down. Too much pacing. Can't think straight. I am petrified. I think I'm going insane. I do not have a date for this one. Um, I couldn't even tell you when I wrote it. It might have been May, June or July, something like that. Maybe even before that. Um, this is about having a panic attack. Personally, this is how I feel when I've gone through a panic attack. I want someone next to me, but I can't handle anyone touching me. I want to hear someone's voice to soothe my panic attack, but hearing people talk just heightens the panic attack more. I want comfort. I want someone to embrace me, but I can't sit still. I can't sit still long enough for someone to comfort me and talk me down or just try to get my mind off of whatever it is that I'm thinking about that's triggering me into a panic attack. I can't sit still. I have so many thoughts going through my mind that's creating this panic attack. I can't control them. They are going a million miles a second. And I want them to stop, but I can't make them stop. You know, I want to feel touch, whether it's my fiance, whether it's, you know, comfort from my mom or whoever's around me. I want to feel, I want to feel someone's touch. I want to be comforted. I want to be coddled. I want to be soothed, but I can't deal with the affection. It drives me nuts. You know, I want to hold someone's hand, but I can't handle touch. I don't have the urge to. I don't have the strength to. I can't sit still. I'm very antsy. 
and during panic attacks, it takes me hours to settle down. And I, because I can't settle down, I can't think. My mind is concentrating on everything that I'm feeling mentally, in my head, physically. And it's almost triggering me into another panic attack because I think I'm going through something else. And it's freaking me out. You know, I start feeling stuff in my chest. It goes into my arm. And, and it's my left arm. So when I think that, I immediately go to heart attack. What if I'm having a heart attack right now? And I freak myself out. So it's like a panic attack on top of a panic attack. And it takes so long for me to get out of it. And it's just, this isn't me. And that's why I titled the poem, This Isn't Me. I don't remember if I have ever mentioned this. And if I have, I apologize because I'm repeating. But because this poem is about having a panic attack, I was never, ever, ever, ever that person to ever have a panic attack. I didn't even know what it fucking was. I've heard of it. I've, you know, heard people explain it, but I have never physically experienced it myself until about a year ago. And it was constant every day, multiple times a day. I couldn't fucking breathe. And I'm not even over dramatizing it every single fucking day, multiple times a day. It was very fucking exhausting. Mentally, physically, in any other way, it could be exhausting. So about a year ago, I live in an apartment currently. We are in the middle. I ha- we have people living above us and below us. So the people below us at one point, they moved out. But for the sake of this conversation, about a year ago, maybe a little over, People had moved in and at some point, every single time we walked into our apartment, every nook and cranny in this apartment smelled of pot. I know like this could be, this is a touchy subject for many people, pro pot and anti, but I can't stand pot. I never could. The smell always gave me a headache, but it never triggered what I'm about to say up until a year ago. So we lived and breathed and slept and woke up with the smell of pot everywhere. Walked into my closet, smelled like pot. The minute you walk into the door, you get a breath of pot bombarding you when you come into the door. No fucking joke. You walk into the hall closet, you open the hall closet, that's the first thing you smell is pot. You, you know, I have a walk-in closet. So you go into the closet, the door is always shut, you walk out of the closet and into the bedroom, and that's, it doesn't smell in the closet. You walk out of the closet and it smells like pot. This was day in and day out for over a year. And I'm starting to wonder, like, I mean, I never thought of this until my fiance brought it up later on. I didn't know why I was having panic attacks for no fucking reason. Over stupid things. Certain thoughts would get in my head and I would go off. I would see red and I would have panic attacks. Every single day. And I'm not even joking. Every single fucking day, multiple times a day, and hours of recovering each one. I couldn't breathe. There was no... There was no breath. I could not even inhale without having to go through another one. So I take off to my fiance's place and I stay there for a few days and he swears to me, I think it's the pot. I think it's making you this way. I want you to stay here, stay with me for a couple weeks And I can guarantee you that's what's causing your panic attacks. I didn't think that's what it was. I thought something was wrong with me. Honest to God, I thought I was going insane. I thought something was severely wrong with me. I thought I was mentally going off the hinges. So, um, end of 
end of November, maybe December of, I think it was last year. If it's more than two years, then obviously it's been long enough. But I, th I think it was last year because I think we're coming, I don't know. Sometime last year, between the end of November, beginning of December, I, when I knew that they were moving out, I had, I know I had verbalized an early Christmas present out loud, you know, Merry Christmas to me. They moved out. Immediately, I noticed a difference. They were doing so much shit. I think they were growing. They were selling. They were smoking. They were doing all kinds of fucking tweaker shit down there. Day in and day out, we smelt this shit. Management didn't do nothing. Like, I don't even get me started on this place. Management didn't do shit. It took them over a year to get those fuckers out. And I don't even know if management was even the contributor to them moving out. But immediately, an immediate difference when those people moved out. There was no pot. And there hasn't been. There has been no pot smell whatsoever. And I have no panic attacks. Not as much as I did. I, and thank you to all of that shit, because now that I started, now because that caused me to have panic attacks, now whenever the occasion calls for it, I have panic attacks, but not as often as I did. They're not daily, and they're not multiple times. If I have one, it's for a specific reason, and then I'm okay. When those people were here, I had panic attacks for, I don't even know how many, how many reasons and why, but this poem probably doesn't even cover half of what I feel. I know I've written about a poem or two about me having a panic attack and the way that, you know, my emotions when I go through them, but this poem is about panic attacks and what I personally, I don't know about anyone else, you know, if either of you have had or have ever experienced panic attacks and if this is how you feel, you know, feel a kinship with you because panic attacks are not fun. They're torturous. They're a mountain of fuckery and it's very hard to get out of them. Very, very very hard. You want so much for people to be there. You don't want to be alone, but you can't have anyone in front of you. You can't have people around you. You can't have people talk to you. Music doesn't help. You know, I still yet have to find my niche and how to bear with this, but it's like you want, you don't want to be alone. You want someone next to you. You want someone to be there to help you but you can't physically bear it. You can't have anyone next to you. You can't have anyone touch you or talk to you or just have anyone sitting next to you because it's just, it adds to it and you don't know what works. And it's like, you feel bad because I am, you know, that person or people they're trying to help you, but you're not taking, you're not, you know, you're not biting the line. You're not allowing them to help you because you can't. It's not that you won't. It's not that you're not appreciative. You want them. You want someone to help you. You want them to help you. You want them to be there for you, but you just, you can't. Unfortunately, at least for me, speaking for myself, unfortunately, it's all on me to get out of it. People can sit here and talk to you. You're okay. Nothing is wrong. You're okay. You're going to get through it. People calmingly talking to you, trying to talk you down, reassuring you that you're okay. You're not in any danger. You're okay. It doesn't help and it doesn't work. I'm still trying to find ways to manage when I do happen to get one. But, and I wasn't going through one when I wrote this poem. I was just, I don't know, I think I had it on my mind. And just the way that I feel, like being aware of how I feel when I have a panic attack. And I just, this poem came out and this is 
one of many ways to explain my experiences with having a panic attack. I, it's just, it's crazy. You know, I've, I've never in my life had a panic attack and there have been so many things that have gone on in my life that, that triggered so much anxiety for me. And pots in this situation was a massive contributor. And I'm, I'm not, people can sit here and call me crazy. All oh, your bullshitting, you know, that's bullshit. Like, no, I'm not because I have seen a massive change. Those people moved out. My panic attacks stopped. They're far and few between not as often and on top of each other as they were. I can't handle pot. I will never, ever, ever be a pot smoker. I don't like being around people that smoke pot because I'm afraid now of what it'll do to me. I start getting anxious around people that are smoking pot because I don't need to be triggered into a panic attack for no reason. I don't know if I could ever go through that again. If someone were to move out or move in below us and smoke pot, I honestly would be scared to death and I would be petrified and I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be able to live here. I just, and I am that I'm so scared of pot now because of what that did to me. I don't know if those fucking tweakers did something to the pot or this is just what pot does to me, but I can't be around it. I am honestly petrified of pot. I don't want to ever go through that again because it's the scariest fucking thing, especially when it's constant. And I had no reason to have panic attacks. No reason whatsoever. I am not an anxious person. This, like, and this entire thing, this, this title of this poem, this isn't me. It isn't me. This poem, the way, everything that's explained, everything that I just said, it's not me. I have never, ever been a kid, person, adult that has ever been anxious to a point where it triggers panic attacks, ever. It, it's not even in my repertoire. It's not even in my personality to be this anxious. Yeah, everyone gets nervous, you know, whatever, but not to this level. So yeah, another tangent on that, but I will... Move on to the next one. Whew, take a breath. Okay, this one is called, the next one is called The Craft of Hell. From hell is where she came, creeping up from an underworld she loathes, surrounded by charmed demons and a black phone as her death dealer, entering a world of frozen feelings. She's ready to fight with knives out, afraid to know what lies beneath. Nightmare Alley was her home, a lawless place where a nightcrawler roams the streets, forming the covenant of Black Dahlia wannabes. Sleeping Beauty she is not, for the raven that sits at her window keeps her awake, a girl interrupted. The night seems drawn out, as the winds pick up, a white noise travels through the silence, a disturbia that lingers. The strangers are back, knocking on doors, taking what's theirs. She hopes to one day be rid of this place, be driven away, or find a secret window. Whatever happens, there will be blood. Okay, so this one was written May 9th of 2023. And I realized while reading this, this is a movie title poem. So if you remember what I just wrote or read out loud, and I don't know if I have it on my Instagram or not, I know I'll have it in my second book when I get to publishing it. I'm still working on that, by the way. This is a movie title poem, and let's see if, well, I guess I'll go through what movie titles are included. So, well, if you found a couple, we'll see. So, From Hell, Underworld, Charmed, TV show, Black Phone, the movie, Frozen, Knives Out, 
What Lies Beneath, Nightmare Alley, Lawless, Nightcrawler, The Covenant, Black Dahlia, Sleeping Beauty, The Raven, A Girl Interrupted, White Noise, Disturbia, The Strangers, um, A Secret Window, and I believe that's the last one. So I realized after reading this that this is, again, like I said, a movie title poem. I didn't realize, and I didn't title it movie title, so that's probably why, or I didn't have it in parentheses that this is a movie title poem. But yeah, just one day, you know, I was, you know, sitting in bed, glancing at my movies and I'm like, you know, I think I might write another movie title poem, but I won't. Obviously I didn't indicate because I forgot up until I was reading it that this is a movie title poem. So this isn't, this doesn't have any significance other than the poem having movie titles in it. So I hope you enjoyed that one. This one was actually a little dark and I actually liked this one better than um, it, the, the first one that I wrote was more like a, a love letter, um, type of movie title poem, but yeah. So I was just, like I said, I was glancing at my movies and decided to, um, however I started, I, I don't even know, but I actually really like this one. But I will move on to the next one. Uh, this next one is called... It doesn't have a title on it. I When I put this in my second book, I made up a title, but I didn't put it on what I'm reading off of. Um, I think this one is called Whispered Words, I believe. So... Whispered words, or words whispered, whichever. Once I whispered words of nonsense, and suddenly all I knew just disappeared. I remember crumbling to my knees, wondering what I'd done. To take back those whispers, to unlearn those words I once spoke, maybe life would make a little more sense. I do not know when I wrote this. I think I had, I don't know if this was an Instagram story post or this was a note on my phone, but whatever it is, I think it's a screenshot and it doesn't have a date on it. So I don't remember when I wrote this, but this doesn't have any particular significant meaning. I was just it just came out. So I don't really, I can't really explain a whole lot because again, this doesn't really have much significance. Um, but I guess this can kind of relate to some sort of life thing. You know, when you say, when you say things and they mean absolutely nothing, sometimes you just feel like everything that you knew just disappeared or, it makes you look stupid. It's like, you know, why did I even say that? You know, crumbling to your knees, wondering, you know, what you've done. You know, sometimes I felt that way. You know, I am, sometimes I feel like, well, not sometimes, most of the time I feel like I don't fit in anywhere. And some of the things that I say, you know, it's just, I feel like it goes over people's heads or, you know, no one responds or no one reacts. So it's like, okay, Katrina, you are a dumb shit and maybe you shouldn't have said that. And you just kind of hide. I don't even know if that's what this poem even means, but I'm just trying to relate to this poem. Um, once you say things, whether it's whispered words or, you know, talking out loud like I am, once you say something, you can't take it back. There's no way to erase it. There's no way to rewind and erase. Um to unlearn words or unlearn certain things that you speak about or you speak of. It's just, yeah, you know, to unlearn certain things, maybe life would make a little bit more sense if you didn't know certain things. 
I guess. I, I don't even know if that even made sense, but whatever. Um, so yeah. The next poem I'm going to read is called Tone Filled Words. Fuck your words and the way you twist mine around, portraying me as some negative piece of shit with no feelings. There's always something, my tone, my words, the look in my eyes, my facial expressions, whatever. Fuck my words. Why don't you just give me a script? Tell me what I am supposed to say to satisfy your majesty. Excuse me for talking out of turn. I swear my intentions were good, but who cares, right? I'm negative. I'm this. I'm that. I'm so over it. I hope things turn out the way you hope they will, and not what I fear might be. Shrugs. Oh, sorry. Should I have watched my tone? I wrote this poem sometime in July. Um, I didn't put an actual date. It just says July of 2023. Um, yeah, you just, you get to a point where you have conversations with people and they, like the poem says, twist your words around and make you seem like some negative Nancy type of person and, or make you seem like a Karen. And that's not your intention at all, but they use the excuse at your tone. It's the words that you use, you know, you rolled your eyes or it's your body language, you know, it's just, you know, whatever, you know, when you have good intentions in what you're saying. And if you're anyone like me that has absolutely no fucking filter, I don't sugarcoat things. I tell people how it is, what it is. I don't sugarcoat anything. I don't sit here and hold your hand and kiss your forehead and, you know, blow sunshine up your ass. I, I'm not this, you know, I'm not that type of person, but in terms of what I'm talking about here, you know, they're just a, a very intense conversation and I, this was very irritating an irritated, um, poem, um, very sarcastic, I guess you can say, very sarcastic, a lot of anger, frustration, and even hurt in there somewhere, if you can dissect, but yeah, that's pretty much what that poem is about, so, um, this next one I'm going to read is called White Noise. She says it's like the sound of rain without the calm, strikingly unnerving. Oftentimes, she gets lost in its tingling, numb-like images, hypnotizing, yet frightening. She's being held hostage in a place she once referred to as safe, having nowhere else to go. Struggling to close her eyes, seeking a way out of this mess, if only she can remove herself from this motionless prison. She's ready to break free, break free from this white noise that has become a constant in her life. So this one was written July 16th of 2023. And no, if those of you that are aware of the movie called White Noise, this has, well, in a way, it was kind of motivated by the movie White Noise, but it's not about the movie. Um, this could have a lot of different meanings. I did write this about, not the movie, no. I did write this about White Noise. The way that it sounds to where if you really pay attention, it, it could sound like rain, but without the calming notion of rain, it's very unnerving, very irritating. It's like cover my ears type of sound. And you know, the, the little tingling numb like images, you know, best way to describe it, at least for me, it is hypnotizing, but at the same time, if you watch it long enough, it could could get frightening. It could create some things that aren't good. You know, when you're, you know, back in the day 
when, you know, a TV show ended or there wasn't what we have today, when something ended, there was white noise. And you wake up to it. Like if you happen to fall asleep and you wake up and you see white noise on your TV, you feel like you're being held captive. If you can just, if you sit there or you lay there and you pay attention to it, you get hypnotized by it or it scares you or it's calming, you know, to each its own. But that's pretty much what this poem was about. You know, it's struggling to close, close your eyes. Like you want to close your eyes because you're tired but when you close your eyes, you can like see the light of the white noise, if that even makes sense. You know, if you're in a dark room and, you know, the lights are off and someone or you, you know, are watching TV and just when you have your eyes closed, you can see the light flickering from the TV or the movie or show, whatever it is that you're watching, you can almost see you know, the flickering of light. And that's what I mean, you know, by all of that. It's, you don't feel safe around white noise. It's not very comforting. It's not soothing. It's almost kind of scary. It's very alarming because of the noise that comes with the image. So struggling to close your eyes, you see that, that flickering light of white noise. And you're trying to figure out, even though there is a way, you know, you can shut it off, mute it, whatever you want to do. But, you know, in this, this could, could have turned into a panic attack, you know, not saying that, you know, again, this isn't a, a personal experience, but just kind of dissecting the poem, kind of making up my own story here, you know, seeking a way out of this mess. You could be trapped by the sound and the image of white noise. It might be creating, it could have created this girl to have a panic attack and she's trapped. She can't get out of it. She can't remove herself from this, what it says, motionless prison. You can't move. So she's ready to break free from this. She wants to get away from the white noise and she feels like white noise is a constant in her life. And that could be metaphorical. It could be literal. It could be whatever. But, um, Wherever this came from, I don't even know. I guess it came from White Noise, the movie White Noise. It was inspired by White Noise, but not in terms of the actual content of White Noise. Um, was it ES? Was it ESP? Something like that. Um, but that's not what that was actually meant to be about. But yeah. So I'm going to move on. This next poem is called Forever in Contempt. The words you chose not to say, the news you chose not to share. You created a whirlwind of hurt, a storm of anger, a ball of fire that burns furiously of contempt. I hope you realize what you've done. I hope you know the pain you have caused and understand the hurt that will always brew within our soul. I hope someday you see the wrong and it scorches a hole in your conscience, knowing that you have deprived us of something we can never get back. Your mistakes will be judged. So... This poem was written July 1st of 2023. I'm not going to get too detailed, but let's just say there was a death in the family around that time. And we were not informed until about a week later for very stupid reasons. We were, my family was kept in the dark and things are being spitefully done and have been spitefully said. And I, that's what this poem is about. It's writing about the frustration and the hurt and the anger that myself and my family had in the moment and still kind of do about that entire situation. We weren't informed about this particular death in the family. And it was very heartbreaking to know that we weren't immediately known or immediately told. And I was just, you know, this was voicing my opinions through poetry. 
and expressing my emotions and all of that. You know, people that... When it comes to death in the family, I've noticed many times over, and especially in my family, where when someone dies, people get very greedy, people get very spiteful, people are very fucking salty. It's all about me, it's about what I want, fuck you, I want this, no, I want this, no, I want this. Greed overtakes family when there's a death in the family. And I've seen it many times. People get very greedy. They get inconsiderate. They get rude. And whatever other word you want to throw in there. But I have personally witnessed it within my own family and distant family and personal friends that have gone through this. And it's very fucked up. You know, when someone dies... All, you know, consideration and kindness, and I'm losing words here, it just, everything just goes out the door. It's almost like a, a fight for survival to get what I want before someone takes it. And it's like, don't you dare touch that thing. Or it's just, it's all about money. It's all about what that person wants and fuck the rest. And even though this, this is kind of what the situation is, but it's not. And I just, I was in the moment and I was watching what was going on around me and the emotions that this entire situation caused. And that's what triggered this poem. I didn't know what else to say. I didn't know what else to do. And this is where it came from. So forever in contempt to you. And... The next poem is called Unforgettably Adorable. You are a distant memory that never seems to fade. Your face is unforgettably adorable. And those eyes, oh, those eyes had me at first blink. The sound of your voice is unlike any other. The way my name sounds as it escapes your lips. So soothing, hypnotic, and godly. Remembering all there is to remember. Forgetting whatever needs to be forgotten. It's lust that has captured my attention. I love how you choose your words so carefully. Each syllable is strategically placed. Falling in love with you by each breath you take. I often lose my place in life, daydreaming the most beautiful dream of you and me, locking eyes just to get lost in each other's presence. I crave you often, and there is no stopping it. Unforgettable. I wrote this one July 19th of 2023. This could be about my fiancé, or it just could have been... A random poem. It could relate to relate to either. Um, you know, if you've ever been, I'll use the word Twitter painted by somebody, or um, this could be about maybe someone that you have feelings for, but it's like a look but can't touch type of thing. Um, it could be someone that you've you've had a thing for for a long time, or things kind of happened, but it didn't work out and you kind of reminisce about things that you've done or, you know, that whatever short-term relationship that you have, you just kind of self-reflect and you reminisce through all of the stuff and this is what comes out. Um, it could be about a whole bunch of different things. Um, parts, some of these, um, stanzas, do relate to my fiance and how I feel about him. Others, you know, again, thoughts come out and they're just, whatever comes out, comes out. This may not even be relevant to me. Again, I just, I come up with so many different poems. Again, I've written poems about suicide. I've never attempted suicide in my life. So I, I, between researching or just kind of putting my mind in that, you know, I've, 
I don't know, just putting myself in that position, it, one would think that I have attempted suicide or thoughts of attempted suicide and, you know, whatever. It's just, my mind goes wherever it goes. And when it comes to this poem, like there are so many things that are relevant to my current relationship and others, it's just has nothing to do with it. Never experienced it, whatever. But yeah, I'll end it there. Um, I mentioned early on in the episode that before I recorded this episode, I had an urge to write a haiku. And I think I'm going to end the episode with that haiku. I don't have a title for it. No, I don't. Not yet. Um, so this haiku is untitled, but I will read it and I'll figure out a, a title for it. And it'll probably go into my second book. So here it is. Dark clouds meet dark thoughts, a chilling notion post-haste, fearing all God's wrath. Again, haikus are only three lines and it's very short. So um, I was very tempted to use a haiku from a game that my fiance played at one point. I don't remember the name of the game. But it did have something and it did kind of revolve around putting together haikus. There were certain, there were phrases that popped up and you had to choose which one sounded good for you. And then the next one you would choose a different one. And then the next one you would choose a different one. And all together it made a haiku. I did write that one down and I could have used it, but I didn't know if that would be plagiarizing because it, it did come from a game. And even though I did put it together, they're not my words. So I was looking at this haiku and was trying to figure out if I could word things differently or just come up with a whole different haiku altogether. So I was kind of comparing what I was, what I did with that game and what the haiku that was created versus trying to come up with a new one. And that's what I did. So this doesn't have any particular meaning, so to speak. Um, Again, dark clouds meet dark thoughts, a chilling notion post-haste, fearing all God's wrath. This could have, and I think it does, have a lot to do with weather. You know, dark clouds could create, you know, meet with your dark thoughts. You know, that's very a chilling motion considering how fast everything is going and fearing the upcoming storm, basically, you know, God's wrath, you know. The, the weather and, you know, the calm before the storm, so to speak. But yeah, it was just a passing thought, decided to do that. And there we go. So unfortunately that concludes this episode. And as usual, going through my normal outro here to those that are always tuning in and even those who are just coming into this podcast. I hope you liked what you heard and you tune in next time. Again, I always encourage you to go back to the first episode. If you're a new, new subscriber, new listener, new whatevers, go back to the first one and kind of listen, get a history of where, you know, I started poetry and to kind of get to know me, get to know the feel of my poetry and stuff like that. I kind of bounce all over the place, but nonetheless, the same kind of style. Um, you can catch this episode in future episodes at anchor.fm forward slash Katrina Wisniewski. This episode of Fractured Poet was written and produced by myself, Katrina Wisniewski, music by Alternative Rock Volume 1 and Rock Electronica Volume 4 from freeplaymusic.com. You can always catch me and follow me on Instagram at Fractured Poet or my personal one, Fractured Goddess. And I also, what I didn't include my last episode and I didn't realize until after, I am featured on at least eight different spot, um podcast platforms. Spotify is one, Amazon Music, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. 
or wherever you get your podcasts from. Look me up, subscribe, listen if you like what you hear, you know, all that stuff. And thank you so much for tuning in again. I cannot stress enough or, you know, be appreciative on how many subscribers I had. I just recently, because, you know, I'm able to see how many subscribers I have, 14 people. So to you 14 and those newcomers that are just passerbys, thank you so much for tuning in. I Obviously, you're subscribed and you like what you're hearing. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I had no intentions or no expectations on where this podcast was going to go. And I'm sitting here talking like I'm some famous podcaster. But um, again, it's always good to have followers. I really didn't think that I would have that much. It may not seem like a lot, but, you know, at least people are listening to me. Um, But yeah, thank you again. And I will try my hardest to make sure that there's not that many gaps. I know I was on it for a while and doing, you know, every week and I kind of fell behind a lot because of things that were going on. But, um, I'm always popping out poetry, whether it's, you know, selfie captions on Instagram or random poems that, you know, I kind of accumulate so I can do episodes like this. But, um, yeah, thank you guys so much. And again, I hope you like this episode and until next time.